I actually think the bar experience on board that is the most overhyped and delivers the least is Hyperspace Lounge. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And this is part three of our sailing aboard the Disney Wish. We are on cruise number two, the three-night DVC sailing that followed the maiden voyage. And Sam and I are coming to you from the pool deck of the Disney Wish, watching a little funnel vision, sitting outside, enjoying some adult beverages uh, this afternoon. We are missing our friends dearly. They brought a lot of uh, fun conversation to the cruise, so can't wait to sail with them again, but it is just the three of us this time around. We did get a lot of questions about the back-to-back procedure on the Wish, and happy to share it with you, but want to call out, it was a unique procedure, we believe, this time, because about three to 400 of our fabulous friends from the maiden voyage decided to rejoin us for the DVC cruise, so it was quite a hefty crowd of back-to-back cruisers. The terminal was almost full with just back-to-back folks uh, the morning that we reboarded. But let me talk you through a little bit of what the back-to-back procedure was like. Uh, Some of it may stick around. Some of it may change. So So we did get a letter in our stateroom two nights before disembarkation, uh, kindly asking all guests on the back-to-back sailing, regardless of age and vaccination status, to pack all of their belongings prior to disembarkation. Uh, We learned from guest services that that was because they've had significant numbers of back-to-back cruisers testing positive between cruises, and they just don't have the staff to pack the belongings of everyone who tests positive. And so they wanted everyone to pack up, even if they were staying in the same stateroom. Now, we were already cleared to sail on the next voyage with our 90-day recovered, and so uh, we did talk to guest services and they said we did not need to pack our belongings since we were already cleared to sail. Just know that you may get a similar letter. We heard some conflicting information from different crew members as well over whether we needed to honor that letter or not. Uh, regardless, that letter came uh, the night before disembarkation. We got an envelope with a special bright orange card that was the signal that we were back to back cruisers and could be readmitted to the terminal earlier. We disembarked the ship after breakfast around... 9.30, I think in the morning, maybe closer to 10. We were directed through the terminal to disembark as normal, went through the luggage area, PS, the walkway now and Port Canaveral out of the cruise terminal is decorated Disney plus everything. So that is a new thing. It used to be like a white hallway. Now it's all Disney plus advertising. We went through customs as normal in the luggage area. And then we were directed to leave the port terminal, head across the street to Inspire. Even though we weren't testing, they want us to go over there to check with them. I don't know if they need to do something in our system, but that was a quick in and out. We literally walked up to a person. They looked at their screen, said, you're cleared to sail, walked back back across the street, went into a line to get back into the terminal. Uh, We were directed to go through security and then we checked in on the second floor. So most of the check-in these days is done on the first floor at little kiosks that they installed. And then if you have an issue, you go to the second floor main terminal area where they still have desks. And that's where guest services can take care of things like, oh, your photo is wrong or your passport information isn't up to date, whatever it is. That's where you go for additional information and help. We were directed to go up the stairs and wait. Check-in for the cruise started at about 10 1015. It was a huge line of people to check in, but it moved quickly. Boarding was due to start around 11. I think it actually started closer to 1130. And so boarded as back-to-back cruisers ahead of the regular cruisers. I'd say we got on the ship maybe 10, 15 minutes at most before they started boarding concierge and then going through the normal boarding group process. That said, uh, our room obviously was already ready and had been serviced. So we were allowed to go under the rope. Uh, We went and got a sit-down lunch, which we'll talk about in a second. 
but that is the back-to-back boarding process. Sam, did you have any observations out of that back-to-back process that I haven't covered? Only if you didn't say that back-to-back concierge got to do their check-in first and back-to-back concierge got to do their boarding first. So everybody else, they basically broke us up into two different back-to-back groups. Obviously, the concierge back-to-back group was smaller, but still quite a large group. I will say that I did hear through the Facebook group, uh, I would say four to five sailing parties posted in a back-to-back Facebook group that that somebody or a couple of people in their party had tested positive and so that they, they were turned away for, for the second sailing. I will also say that it was taking two to three hours for them to get their luggage back and they needed to make their own arrangements for lodging for five days in the Port Canaveral or Kissimmee area. A bunch of them had had DVC uh, reservations for following the cruise and because it wasn't outside the five-day period since the sailing is only three days, those were being automatically canceled. I don't know what was happening with their points or whatnot. I imagine they were being refunded their points. However, they were having to find alternative lodging. I also heard uh, that they were putting folks up at the Hyatt. If they needed to fly out and were changing flights, they were putting up at the Hyatt at MCO uh, for the quarantine period. So we don't know for sure because we are back on board and did not experience the trip interruption those folks did. We hope that they are safe and healthy and that Disney is taking care of them in the same way that they took care of us when we tested positive in April or what I should say when Sam tested positive on board in April. Uh, but yeah, so lots of back-to-back cruisers. But hey, we got back on and uh, had a fantastic day yesterday. We ran into some great folks in the lobby. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Guillermo and the concierge staff and Glenn as well. We love Glenn. Big fans of Glenn and Guillermo. And Guillermo goes by G. And so ran into G and he was kind enough to actually help us. We had asked to switch from main dining to late seating. And uh, the restaurant manager had said that he would take care of it. He, He didn't. And so... We ran into G and we were just chit-chatting with him and he asked if we had any any dining requests that uh, we hadn't had fulfilled. And I just said, we you know we were hoping to get to late dining or Sam did. And he said, I'll take care of it. And so that is the level of Disney service that, that we love on these ships. Obviously, we're not sailing concierge and G just did us a solid. So cannot wait to sail with G as our concierge again. Uh, we will certainly be giving him a hefty tip for all the help that he's given us on this sailing because he's just been fantastic, fantastic human being. If you want to see G in action, he did a, an interview with Josh tomorrow where he was interviewing Josh. And so now he's kind of a minor celebrity on board. That uh, video is out there on the interweb. So go out there and take a look at it. We opted to try the sit down lunch in 1923 yesterday. Same menu we've seen on every cruise uh, for embarkation day lunch. Uh, enjoyed the muffalata sandwich. I will say, I think the muffalata sandwich is loaded on this ship. So. One of the biggest muffalata sandwiches I've had, but nice little respite in 1923, a sit down lunch. And then we proceeded to our staterooms. We did pass several lines for dining. So on this ceiling, they had split up the dining reservations. So a little bit different than the maiden. So they had the hyperspace lounge folks separated out from the main dining and Remy Palo dining. I think they just figured out that the line for the dining was being overwhelmed by people wanting hyperspace lounge reservations. We opted not to seek a hyperspace lounge reservation because we'd gone on it twice on the maiden. And we figured if we really wanted to go in there, we would just try a walk up to the bar uh, because they 
actually do allow you, I don't know if we mentioned this in the main episode, but they, they will allow you to do a walk-up. Tables are available. They'll seat you at one. Uh, if not, they have bar seating that they don't reserve or they haven't reserved in the past, and so they'll let you sit at the bar. So for two people, I think you could probably, uh, depending on the time, kind of slide into hyperspace lounge at bar seating. Yeah, the one thing I wanted to add was that because they split them up, the location of where you went to make these reservations was different. So if you were making hyperspace lounge reservations, you went to Triton's, which is uh, at deck five right next to the spa versus you going to Luna for the dining. And the other change was that instead of it, it opening from one to 3 p.m., it actually opened at noon, which was nice because that's when most people are boarding. So there wasn't that hour of people lining up. Instead, people were able to kind of go right in to make their dining request reservations. We did hear from the last sailing that um, that they opened additional Palo brunch at Castaway Key Day. And we heard that it was likely but not confirmed to happen on this voyage as well. Yeah, and I just need to continue to give the disclaimer. Sam's giving a lot of detail, which is fabulous. All of this is subject to change. So if you get on board and they're not doing the hyperspace lounge reservations in Triton's Lounge, guess what? They seem to be changing things, sailing to sailing to adjust the procedure to better accommodate the guests. So, uh, And I would absolutely not count on them opening up Palo Brunch. Uh, at Castaway on every three night sailing because it puts the crew in a really awful position of not getting any downtime. Uh, and so we were talking to one of the servers at Palo last night and, you know, he was feeling a, a little haggard because they've been continuously going for so long in Palo with the brunches. So I would not really expect that to continue too much longer on these three and four night sailings as Disney moves into its regular kind of sailing schedule. So after lunch, we did head up to our room, slid under the rope, much to the ire of many folks sitting around on the steps, went to our room, got changed and decided to just hang by the pool for the afternoon and uh, had a fabulous afternoon by the pool, watched the sail away party from the pool and then uh, got some nice little DVC membership magic insulated champagne flutes. And so that was a nice little gift from the DVC crowd. Uh, they had a DVC SVP on board who gave the sail away toast, much like the Disney Cruise Line SVP did uh, on the prior sailing. Just for everyone's edification, the sailing is full of DVC members because there's a charter cruise and you had to book at least one guest on points in order to sail. So this is a chock full of DVC members cruise. Uh, after the sail away party, we headed back to our room and, and got changed. Sam delivered some door magnets to folks. So if you're ever sailing with us, uh, we love to give out magnets. And so Sam delivered some magnets to folks who had requested them in the sailings Facebook group got cleaned up. I took Nathan to get some dinner and Sam headed to the merch line, which from the sound of it may have been even worse than the Maiden Voyage merch line. So we had seen them putting out DVC member merch uh, in the gift shop and disembarkation day. They were removing some of the other merch that they had from the Maiden Voyage, I believe. Although, asterisks, they were they were moving that merch around in the store. I was really actually disappointed to see them still selling Maiden Voyage merch on the sailing because I really think it's kind of a punch to the gut for the people who paid the money to be on the Maiden Voyage uh, that other people could come on and buy all that merchandise. But it is what it is. We had heard that they were actually going to remove the Maiden Voyage merch from the stores and give crew who sailed on the Maiden dibs at purchasing what they wanted. And so also just a little bit disappointing that, you know, the DVC members are on board getting that crack at the merch and, uh, you know, taking away potentially 
stuff that the crew might have wanted to buy for themselves. So uh, a little disappointed there, but it is what it is. They did have some DVC merch that we purchased. Sam waited in the checkout line for a half hour. Just note that if you're you know, trying to avoid indoor crowds, the store is not the place to be. Uh, they had a long line that stretched all the way from the store back to another bar area on the ship. It was, I would guess it was got to be 150 people deep at that point, maybe even 200 people. And basically everyone just gets into the store all at once. And then it's claustrophobic and elbow throwing to try and get the merch you want. And then Sam had to wait 30 minutes just to check out and pay. So we did get a little bit of merch. I plan to maybe head down there later and just kind of see what's left, but uh, to get a little bit of merch out of the store. And then and I went took Nathan to the pool deck to get dinner. Uh, I did have a kind of a really kind of not great experience with the crew on board. I think it highlights that some of the crew are actually fairly new. There's a ton of crew that we've run into in some of the higher end dining spaces and bar spaces who've been with Disney for 10, 15 years. But I think there's also a ton of crew on board who are newer. And so I went to the grill to get Nathan a hamburger and they were completely out of hamburgers at five o'clock or, or, you know, actually it was six o'clock in the evening when everyone's at dinner, which I thought was odd. Uh, and she told me that they didn't have any hamburgers, but she was going to go get the cook to make some. And I just said, okay, well, should I just go sit down? And she said, sure, you can go sit down and wait. And I said, okay, fantastic. Then a line formed at the grill. And, uh, you know, I thought that she was just going to make a hamburger and some French fries like I asked for, and I would just come up and get it. No, I had to wait in the line. Uh, and then one of the guests in line went to order a hot dog. Spoiler, they were out of hot dogs. And so she went to get the cook to cook more hot dogs and then held the entire line waiting for a hot dog to get cooked for this guest to serve him rather than saying, would you mind staying to the side and let me serve the guest behind you? Because now she had hamburgers and chicken fingers and all that stuff at, at the ready. So I must have waited in line for 10 minutes just to get a hamburger and French fries. Uh, so it just did not feel like that was the greatest experience I've had. Uh, most of the time, uh, they try to prioritize getting everyone served and out of the way. So, uh, you know, I, I chalk it up to it may have been a brand new crew member who's just not prioritizing the guest experience over, you know, whatever her procedure was for the restaurant. So after I got Nathan fed, I took him to the kids club and then I headed to Hook's Barbary to get an old fashioned. And uh, lo and behold, Lewis, the bartender there who is fantastic, had found his lighter and I was able to get my smoked old fashioned. And it is, I have to say, I love old fashions. It was one of the most delicious old fashions I have ever had. It was fantastic. Loved it. Highly recommend going into Hook's Barbary, especially on day one. It's not something that everyone seems to know about as they board the ship right now. So on day one, it was kind of empty. We're trying to get capacity numbers for this cruise. I will say it feels about as full as the Maiden. So I'm guessing that the capacity is similar. We're hearing conflicting information over how many kids on board. But my guess is that there are more kids on board because some of the adult spaces have also felt a little bit more manageable on this cruise. So Hook's Barbary did not have five people waiting for an old fashioned last night. We went to the Rose, or I took my old fashioned to the Rose to meet up with Sam, and there wasn't a big crowd there. Now, I was also there, I got there in the middle of the first show, and so not surprising uh, that there wasn't a big crowd. People did start to stream in after the show ended, but I, I just don't feel like that bar space was as crowded last night uh, after we had Palo dinner, which we'll talk about in a second. I don't feel like that bar space was as crowded as it was in the Maiden, so... I went up, waited for Sam. Uh, they are, by the way, for folks sailing on these early sailings, they are selling bottles of champagne, a couple of bottles of champagne that say Disney Wish inaugural sailing on it. 
Uh, so if you're interested in one of those, you have a $50 bottle and a $70 bottle. The $70 bottle is Tattinger, and the $50 bottle, I believe, is Ferrero. It's a Prosecco. And so uh, you can pick one of those up. They'll send it to your stateroom. You can take it off the ship, or you can drink it in the in, the, in your stateroom or wander around the ship, I suppose, with a, with a glass drinking it. Uh, so I waited in the Rose. Sam joined me. I had a second old-fashioned the Rose. Sam tried a new beverage up there. But let me hand it over to Sam to talk about she, she did go to the show. And so, Sam, what, how was your afternoon? So I want to talk briefly about getting into the shop. The shop opened about, I think, a half hour to 45 minutes after sale away. And so I went to get in line for that at about, I think, 5.30. By the time, or 5.20, I should say. By the time I got in line, there the line went all the way down at least half the ship, all the way to Keg and Compass. Now, as soon as they opened the doors, they let everybody in, but it was packed in there. I was wearing my KN95 mask, and I felt, still felt quite uncomfortable because it was like wall to wall people. As Brian said, I did wait in line about 30 minutes to check out after I grabbed my merchandise, but it was hard to kind of get through the store. Well, I believe on this sailing, Mickey's main sail will be a little bit more crowded than it was on the maiden voyage because we don't have any full sea days. And so they can't open the shops until they're far enough away from any port. So it's only really open in the evening. So I was able to get in, as I said, but it was kind of crazy in there. Thankfully, the only thing I was there to look at was the DVC merchandise. They had some DVC specific pins, DVC specific hats, t-shirts, uh, and a Nike pullover that I had been, uh, that I had eyed through the window, uh, in the morning to get for Brian. So I was able to do that. But by the time I got out, the show had already started. Now, thankfully, I had seen Seize the Adventure on the previous sailing, but of course I wanted to see it again. For any of you who listen to our show regularly, you know I am Broadway show obsessed. And so I go to all the shows on board as long as I can. So I made it there. It was about 10 minutes after showtime had actually started, but it was only probably about five minutes into the show because the cruise director always gives kind of a speech on the first night the first night show. It was fantastic. There were a couple of things that hadn't been working quite right uh, on our first sailing, some of t- some kind of tech issues. There was one small tech issue in, in this one. When Crush comes out, it was he came out a little too slowly, I'll say that. And I won't say anything more. I don't want to spoil it too much. But this uh, production is really fabulous. It's about a half hour show. Ends up being about 35 minutes because the cruise director talks before and after maybe 40 minutes. But it was fantastic. And as Brian said, after the show, I met him at the Rose. I had a really lovely drink. It was a cocktail made from blackberries. And I believe, um, I can't remember if it was champagne. We have a picture of it on our Instagram stories. It was called the Plant and Fleurs, meaning plant and flowers in French. And it was quite delicious. And following our drinks, we went to Palo for dinner. Now, this is the Palo Steakhouse. So it is a different experience. Palo on the other four ships. Well, while I will say it's a different experience. You have a lot of your old favorites still on that menu. We've got pictures of that menu uh, that will be going up on our Facebook and Instagram accounts as well. We did not opt for the price fix menu because we both wanted to have the Mizuyaki beef or the it's actually listed on the menu as Wagyu beef, but they actually had a Mizuyaki beef in place of the highest level of Wagyu. So we chose a la carte. Uh, dishes. We decided to share the burrata caprese uh, salad to start. 
Then we each had a salad. Brian's was kind of a play on a Caesar salad, but it had gorgonzola in it. I had the traditional arugula with Parmesan salad. That's fantastic that you'll see on all the other ships. Then we shared the penne pasta, which is kind of a penne arrabbiata, meaning it's got some some kick to it, some chili flakes in it. Fantastic with grated Parmesan cheese over top. And then we each had our own six ounce Wagyu Mizuyaki beef. It was just fantastic. I can't even tell you. It was like butter. And then Brian finished off his meal with a beautiful multi-layer carrot cake, uh, which I had a taste of. I'm not a big real real big carrot cake fan, but I will say for a carrot cake, it was quite good. And Brian pretty much polished it off. So I know from that that it was fantastic because I know he was quite full. But really, I will, will say that this Palo Steakhouse experience made me actually think that Palo dinner might actually beat Palo brunch on this ship. And the reason I say that is because Palo brunch on this ship is identical to Palo brunch on all of the other ships. But Palo dinner here is a standout because you actually have these elevated steak options and a few new uh, sides and appetizers and whatnot. So really fantastic menu. Had a wonderful time. It was nice to have a little date night while Nathan was in the kids club. By the way, he was in the kids club for about four hours yesterday and did not complain at all. Was super happy. This kids club is just beyond uh, with all of the offerings inside the crafts that they're doing, the games that they're doing, the rooms that are available, the interactive augmented reality games that are available with iPad in the Star Wars cargo bay. I can't even say enough about it. It's just really, really fantastic. Brian, you have anything to add about Palo dinner? Just that it was fantastic. I think the Wagyu beef option, which for us was actually a Miziaki beef option last night, is delicious. And I think adding that to their roster really ups the game for Palo. And I just want to call it to one of the most affordable dinners I've had in adult dining on board this ship. It, well, I guess it's only the second adult dining we've had, but I guess I'm just want to call it the affordability of that dinner. It was... When the bill came, I was shocked. We had a bottle of wine. We had a muse-bouche, an appetizer, two salads, a pasta course, two high-end steaks, dessert, coffee, and wine. And it was under $300 on the bill. Now, we do get a $90 discount off of the bill because we're platinum, so we get the $45 credit apiece. Even at $300, that's a steal. And so uh, I think that's a great, great dining experience on board. I think it's accessible to many more people than Enchante, although we personally love Enchante. Uh, but I think it's very accessible to folks. For me, I would definitely book Palo Dinner over Palo Brunch on The Wish because the brunch is something you can get fleet-wide on any ship. So... All right. After dinner, Sam and Nathan met up with uh, Sully, an onboard service dog whose owner loves to make him available for playtime after he's off duty in the evening. Met up with Sully in the atrium, had a little doggy playtime with Sully on board. And so shout out to Sully and his owner, Jennifer. They're just fabulous folks on board. And uh, she even left us a little stateroom gift uh, last night. Uh, Sam brought a dog toy for Sully to play with. And so she left us a little stateroom gift. So just fabulous people. We've seen them before on board. They were on a prior sailing with us and just... Just fun people if you see them on board. After that, we called it a night. And uh, this morning we got up. We were on the pool deck. So not a very exciting day so far. We just had breakfast in Marceline. I did want to call out. So <laughs> I think we have ribbed on this. I think the guys over at Rope Drop Radio have ribbed on this. The scrambled eggs. 
uh, on board Disney Cruise Line, not the greatest, uh, continue to be not the greatest. That said, in the very back of Marceline, they have a station that does omelets. I know folks know about that, but I don't know if everyone knows that back there, they also have pre-made fried eggs. So if you're into like over easy, over medium fried eggs, they've got them back there. And so if you're looking for eggs that are actually cooked well, I highly recommend heading back there. If you like a fried egg, it was actually really good and done much better than the scrambled eggs. We actually grabbed a ham and cheese croissant and then a fried egg and threw it in the middle and it was a great breakfast. So we're at the pool deck today. I don't expect much exciting to happen today other than sitting around the pool. Although I should say, you know, look, some people on board buying a $5,000 drink. We bought a $500 spa experience. We're going to be doing the float on air massage at about three o'clock today. Excited to tell you what that is all about. That is a new spa experience on the board. We'll be checking out one of the couples havens on board and doing the float on air massage. So we'll talk about that with you tomorrow. And then we've got dinner tonight in 1923 that will be our first time dying in 1923 so excited to check out the food there and see if uh, our opinion of it is as good as willie rebecca tracy and michael's opinion from our uh, prior sailing so excited to check that out so we will come back to you soon but for now we're going to sign off Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing show sponsors over at My Path Unwinding Travel. You know, Sam and I have gotten to know the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel over time, and they are just so knowledgeable, so wonderful, so responsive, so welcoming. They have a great set of communities built on Facebook where they answer people's questions. We know that if you decide to book your next vacation with My Path Unwinding Travel, you will have a wonderful, wonderful experience. So if you are looking to book your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation and adventures, by Disney Vacation, maybe you've been eyeing an all-inclusive resort vacation, head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash Duo to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. We know you'll have a fantastic experience. And with that, back to our episode. All right, we are back and coming to you from Bar Riva at the fabulous Disney Riviera Resort. We're not on the ship anymore because we disembarked this morning and it's been a long day at the park. So we are enjoying... A little adult beverage and some dinner at Bar Riva this evening as the temperature starts to cool. But we wanted to bring you more about our second cruise on the Disney Wish, the DVC member cruise. And so when we last left off with you, we were preparing for a fabulous float on air massage experience in the Census Spa. How was this wonderful massage experience that we had? I have no idea how the massage was. Wah, wah, wah. So right before we were going to drop off Nathan at the kids club so we could go have this zero gravity float on air, whatever it was called, couples massage, I said to Brian, I don't know what we're supposed to wear for this because I knew it was in like the private couples room that had a jacuzzi. I said, I think we should call to ask whether we should wear bathing suits or like underwear, right? And so I called the spa. I I told them what treatment we had. They were like, oh, no, you're booked for a couple's massage in a private couple's massage in the hideaway. And I said, no, that's not what we're booked for. We're booked for the zero gravity. And they're like, oh, well, the zero gravity beds are not ready. The gel hasn't been like put into the beds or something like to that effect. So it's just, you know, regular massage beds. They said, we do have one zero gravity bed ready, but it is not in the couple's hideaway and it is fully booked. So they they tried to offer us a discount on the, the experience. And I said, no, thank you. I would like to cancel because this is not what we had signed up for. 
Because really, we've done couples massages a bunch of times. I love a good massage, but Brian really is not a big massage person and was really on board for this experience just to try something new. So yeah, it did not happen. But I did get to go see a little show in the Grand Hall called Who's Behind the Curtain? And it's one of the family kind of game shows on board. And it's basically like a 20 questions type of a show where there is a character behind the curtain on the main stage in the Grand Hall. And they pick a kid from the audience and they have them ask a bunch of yes or no questions. And then they get a get to guess who's behind the curtain. So spoiler alert, we had uh, Pluto. We had Donald Duck. And then last but not least, we had Mickey Mouse. It was quite a nice show. And then after that, we decided to walk around and kind of just take a look around the ship and see all the different spaces. So Nathan and I checked out Vibe, which is the teen club, and the hideaway, which is kind of attached to the teen club. It was a really cool space. You know, they have a bunch of different kind of uh, in there, both board games, they have video games. They also have a bunch of, uh, I'll call them game show type activities, icebreakers and things like that, and just kind of social time there for the teens. And then the hideaway is an attached space that is most of the time open for the teens in Vibe, but also is sometimes closed off or can be closed off, I should say, for private events or for events for the 1820 Society. So apparently a couple of times on both of the cruises... 1820 Society had some special time in the hideaway. So yeah, it was kind of cool to wander on the ship. Nathan wanted to go back to the kids club. He has been kind of obsessed with the kids club on these two cruises, uh, wanting to spend all his time there. We did also check out the Hero Zone that day and played a little basketball, which Nathan was really having a good time with. And he played horse with another family. It's kind of a relaxing day since we obviously did not get off on Nassau. And hey, I just want to give a shout out to Holly Franklin and her husband, who we met on board the Disney Wish. They are listeners to the show and they came over to us to say hi just while we were sitting poolside. So shout out to you, Holly, and I hope you are enjoying listening to the show. Yeah, and that reminds me, I also need to give a shout out to Bobby and Rebecca, the DCL mom and the DCL dad, who we actually met on the maiden voyage in the bayou with their lovely daughter. And so uh, great to meet them. Always great to meet listeners in person. Bumped into more than a few people on board the ship that it was just great to uh, to run into. So shout out to Bobby and Rebecca as well. So while Sam and Nathan wanted the ship, I was actually editing our show so I could push it out to all of you in real time when we uh, while we were on the ship. So I just hung out and did that. But that evening before dinner, while Nathan spent some time in the kids club, we decided to hit up the keg and compass to try out some more of their food. We love the wings there. So we did have some more wings, but we also tried out the compass tots, which are like a tater tot nacho platter. Uh, so if you like pump cheese, these tater tots are for you. I think they're actually called like potato pillows or something crazy like that. But anyway, it's tater tots with pump cheese, bacon. I think there was some sour cream we got on the side or it was non-existent. I can't remember if they brought it to us, but a delicious accompaniment for the wings. Side note on the keg and compass, because we did go there on our last night, is that the TVs were actually working and showing ESPN Sports. So somebody paid the cable bill out there and we are thankful to you for doing it. So they were TVs were not just looping a keg and compass symbol over and over again. They had some ESPN on. 
great to see a sports bar actually have sports on in the bar. So that night we did head to 1923 for dinner. It was our only dinner at 1923 across eight nights of sailing because we skipped 1923 dinner to bring you our dinner from Enchanté instead. We'd heard rave reviews about 1923 from Willie and Rebecca and Tracy and Michael, and I would say it did not disappoint. I started with a burrata appetizer that was delicious. I don't think I've seen burrata on board Disney Cruise Line before. Uh, it's an interesting cheese to offer in main dining because it's a pretty pretty unique cheese. I guess not unique, but uh, I don't know. I feel like it's a pretty high-end cheese experience to serve in main dining. So burrata and tomato appetizer was delicious. We also shared a tortellini appetizer that was really, I think, pretty good. Uh, the, our waiter recommended it and I thought it was delicious. I had the filet and I thought it was really well cooked for filet in main dining. I mean, it still had uh, red to pink in the center. And so they did a really nice job cooking the filet to order. Uh, so I thought that was a fabulous dish. I had a cheesecake. I don't know how to describe it. It had an apple tart underneath and a cheesecake on top that was encased in like a caramel gelatin. It was a very good dessert. I was really impressed with it. The presentation was amazing. Uh, so I love that dessert. Sam also had the filet, but she, for dessert, got some churros. And so I wanted to get her impressions of the churros that she had. Okay, the churros were quite good, but a little bit too crunchy so not as good as a park churro but that's really hard to do on a mass quantity scale so i would say i would give the churro a thumbs up but it needs to be of course hot and not too crunchy and thankfully mine was hot not hot hot but like warm hot but just a tiny bit too crunchy i will say if you don't like pepper that filet is probably not for you. It wasn't my favorite steak because of that. The cut was beautiful and it was perfectly cooked, but it was a little peppery for me. Nathan had the kids beef tenderloin dish and it was actually quite delicious. I had a taste of it and he he really went to town on that. So that night we had the pirate deck party once again. So Brian and I headed up to the pirate deck party. Nathan wanted to go back to the kids club. So we, we let him do that. We, so we watched the pirate deck show again, getting a better spot for fireworks than we had on the previous cruise and watched the fireworks, which were fantastic. We got some great shots of them. Brian headed back to the room at that point. I picked up Nathan from the kids club shortly thereafter. And we had some Sully playtime. So yeah, really fantastic night. I did try to watch the Kiss Goodnight, which is kind of a light show having to do with the chandelier in the Grand Hall. But unfortunately, it did not happen that night. Unclear as to whether it didn't ha did not happen because the lights weren't working or because it was pirate night. But I made sure to try and attend the very next night. Spoiler alert, I did. Which brings us to Castaway Key Day. Yeah, I just wanted to say on the chandelier side of things, there was a lot of news out there that the chandelier had come down and was being serviced on the cruise line. It was already broken. P.S. I learned from a crew member that they service the chandelier once a week. They clean it, change it, make sure it's working. So don't be surprised if on your ceiling, the chandelier has come down from the ceiling. It's designed to do that so they can service it. It is not breaking news out in the Disney community. With that said, I also just want to say I grabbed a very lovely espresso martini from the bayou to take back to the room. Did that on uh, the second night and the last night of the cruise. And uh, so Bayou has some great drinks, great spot to grab a drink. Uh, and it's always great on Disney Cruise Line to just be able to grab a drink and take it with you. So the Bayou is a lot like Tiana's place on board the Disney Wonder. There's like flowers and leaves on the ceiling to make it seem like trees, like you're out in the Bayou itself, as opposed to I think the French Quarter Lounge is meant to be more like the French Quarter. But it is a great little spot to grab drinks, actually a great big spot to grab drinks. It's one of the largest bars on board and has live music playing in the evening, which I know is something that Disney Cruise Line fans really wanted was some live music. So it's really nice to have that live music available in the evening. 
So we called it an evening after that. And uh, the next day was Castaway Key Day. We did go out on the island parasailing. I am now one for eight on board Disney Cruise Line as it was also canceled on this sailing. So no parasailing. We basically just had a nice beach day and then got back on board the ship, which was hopping. Uh, got packed up in our room. Sam and I did wander the ship a bit to see some of the spaces and just basically get some video of the ship to uh, be able to put out there for all of you once we get back home. Nathan, again, of course, in the kids club. And I believe Sam and I had some pre-dinner drinks. I did go to the Barbary again to get another old fashioned and I cannot stress how fun and good that experience is. It is a fabulous experience on board. So highly recommend going to Hooks Barbary for the old fashioned we did do some touring of various kids clubs on board. I will say that all of the kids clubs on the ship are fabulous. And we'll get to that in a second because I want to do kind of a final wrap up in our own personal review. Just Sam and I of some of the best spots on board and some of the kind of things that we think are still not as good as they might be. Last night was also Marvel dinner for us. Same show we had before, same food pretty much that we had had before. So I did try the turbo this time around as opposed to the pasta that Willie and I had on the first cruise. Thought it was delicious. Not quite as good as the halibut dish over risotto that they have on the other ships, but uh, it was still a good dish. Show was the same. So lovely evening. We did put Nathan back in the kids club. I did get another espresso martini and then we called it a night for disembarkation. We'd already packed up, thankfully, enjoyed an espresso martini as we went to bed. We had an early morning today for disembarkation. Uh, Well, not super early because we are second seating. I think one of the low lights of this cruise and actually of the maiden is that disembarkation for second seating just not great. It, we were on the ship until at least 9.30 or 10 o'clock on both sailings before our bag tags were called. That may be normal. I don't remember it being that slow of a disembarkation process, but disembarkation off of the wish the past two sailings has been, I think, just way too slow. We were finished with breakfast and sitting in the atrium for a good half hour to 45 minutes before we could get off the boat. And we had an eight o'clock breakfast. So really put a damper on the day of getting off the ship and being able to get to the parks because we had passes for Guardians of the Galaxy and we were a little concerned we wouldn't make it. So anyway, I hope that they get the disembarkation process running a little bit more smoothly. I was also frustrated because after we got off the ship, they used to send people one direction if you're going to the buses and one direction if you're going to parking because if you make a left, you're right at the buses. If you make a right, you're right at the escalator for parking. And they seem to be sending everyone to the left now. So if you're parked, you have to walk all the way around the building to get to the parking. So I don't know know what's going on, but it feels somewhat inefficient for disembarkation currently. We ultimately exited the ship before they called our bag tag and our bags were sitting there. So again, I don't know what's going on with the disembarkation process, but it feels way too slow at this point. What I want to do now is just wrap up quickly with our final reviews of the ship. Uh, We don't have anyone sitting around us but ourselves. So this is our moment of truth. Um, I want to offer a couple of real highlights. I think places where things shine and a a couple of places now with eight nights under my belt where I think they could do a little bit better. So here's here's the story. I think for me in dining, I think main dining is excellent. Uh, I think there's a lot of great op- options with main dining. I'm really impressed that 1923 is as good as it is. I'm hard pressed to think of a restaurant on board that I would skip. I think the food is just excellent. Uh, so that's that's a real highlight for me. Quick service dining is some of the best in the Disney fleet. I I have no qualms with the quick service food on the pool deck. The barbecue is excellent. I tasted Nathan's burgers from the grill. They are excellent. I think my only qualm with the food 
uh, the quick service is the Mexican food. I think it's good, and people are kind of calling it Disney Chipotle at sea. I agree with that characterization of the food offering, except to say this. Chipotle's food has more flavor than Disney Cruise Line's food. And I get that Disney is trying to cater to a mass market audience, but at the same time, so is Chipotle because they're everywhere. <laughs> and I think that they pull that off nicely while still putting out a well-seasoned, well-flavored product. You don't have to make food spicy for it to be Mexican. You can season it with lime and citrus and other things to bring out the flavor. I did not get that kind of flavor out of the Disney Cruise Line food. And so for me, that is the one kind of place where I wish they would just amp things up a little bit. The food is still good. It's just not as good as I think it possibly could be. In terms of the adult dining options, excellent across the board. I think we said this on the last show, but I just want to say, I think the weakest adult dining option on board right now is Palo Brunch. And it's not because it's bad. It's just because there's nothing new about it. And when you're putting Palo Brunch on this ship up against Enchante Dinner and Palo Dinner and the new offerings that they have, it doesn't compare. Um, I've heard some criticisms of Enchante Brunch out there from some of the influencers in the community. I think Enchante Brunch is fabulous. I think it is not for those who are not adventurous, much like Enchante is not for those who are not adventurous. So. Uh, it is not Palo Brunch. It is fine dining. It is going to be different kind of food. So in terms of the adult dining experiences, I would actually rank, rank them as, for at least me, Enchante Dinner, Palo Dinner, Enchante Brunch, Palo Brunch. And it's only because Palo Brunch just doesn't have anything new on the menu. In terms of the bar spaces on board, I love, love, love that there are so many different kinds of bar spaces on board. I think that is such a welcome thing to be able to spread out the adult crowd to different places. I want to put a side note in here when I mention adult crowd. I think that the adult area off the back of the ship has to be redesigned for the next few ships. It is a way too small. Too many people in an infinity pool and a small bar area, it is not a good experience. At least it was not on these early sailings. Perhaps as the sailings start to get more and more kids on them, it will open up that space. I don't know. But I really hope Disney is looking at that carefully and making a decision to expand that space in some way, because I just think it's too crowded back there. And it's too much of a carnival cruise line type of experience back there right now. Cove Cafe as an asterisk is also very small. So I think... For me, the adult spaces on the wonder and the fantasy far outpace the redesigned adult space on the wish. I think it could be amazing, but it is just too small. In terms of the bars, I love, love, love all the different spaces. I think the bartending staff is amazing. Favorites for me are probably the Rose and Nightingales. I think the Bayou is also a great space to go to. I actually think the bar experience on board that is the most overhyped and delivers the least is Hyperspace Lounge. So I think everyone's going to go once. I think it's worth it. I might even pop back in every once in a while on a cruise. I think that the Kids Club theming for Star Wars far surpasses the theming that they put into that bar. I don't feel like Hyperspace Lounge delivers a really unique experience. I think the drinks are frankly just okay. Most of the drinks I had were just okay. Chocolate beverage, the name of which is escaping me, the Merkin Flow, I think it's called, was the best drink I had in there. Other than that, most of it was just okay. So I think it is an overhyped bar experience. That is just my opinion. For our Star Wars fans out there, I'm going to be super curious to hear your reviews. I think that the screen experience itself, I wanted more. 
I wanted more tie-in with the IP. I wanted to see some Easter eggs. I didn't see them. That could be because currently you're limited to a 45-minute stint in there and you just don't have time to really pay attention to it. But um, I'm not as impressed with Hyperspace Lounge as I thought I otherwise might be. I want to say that the Kids Club experiences on board, from my point of view, are some of the best that Disney offers across the board. The main Kids Club, the Oceaneers Club and Lab, if that's even what it's called any longer, it's all one giant space. We could not pry Nathan away from the space. He loved it so, so much. And having taken a look at it myself, it is amazing. Like, I really want them to offer an adult experience like this on board now. So um, I think that the kids club spaces, they knocked it out of the park. Having seen Edge and Vibe as well, I think that they look fabulous. I think that was an excellent, excellent, excellent space to have for kids. I think that for me, the pool deck kills it. I know a lot of people are complaining that it's too chopped up. The pools aren't big enough, blah, 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 blah. I'm just going to say you're wrong. You're wrong and sit there and be wrong in your wrongness. I think the pool deck really works to spread out the crowds, give views a funnel vision from multiple vantage points, allow for show viewing that is a far superior experience than on some of the other ships. And I love that they've basically said, if you want to dangle your feet in the pool, here's a pool for you. You want to swim in a pool? Here's a pool for you. Be right up against the funnel vision. Here's a pool for you. There's so many pool options. None of them ever seem to get that crowded. Now, again, maybe that will change uh, as the ship starts to have more kids on board. I don't know. But I thought the pool experience was fantastic. Three more things I really want to just cover quickly. On the shopping experience, I think Mickey's mainsail is fantastic. It's nice to have just one big shopping area. I think that the high-end shopping on board is overdone. And I truly hope that in a dry dock in the future, Disney will reclaim some of that space for something else. There's just too much high-end merch on board. I can't imagine that those things are going to be anything but lost leaders going forward in terms of operation. There's three different high-end shops on deck four, I believe it is, or deck three, actually, deck three, full of watches, jewelry, Tommy Bahama wear that is un-Disney branded, Ray-Ban sunglasses. It is just too much retail space. I really hope that they will reclaim some of that and do something else with it other than shopping. It was also, as an asterisk, a really disappointed. We could not find a single swim shirt on board this cruise, including in the store that is supposed to be like the swim shop, Dory's Forget-Me-Nots. I think that is a huge miss not to have like swim products available on a ship with this many pools cruising the Caribbean. So I hope that the merchandise offerings will shift away from maiden and inaugural merch in every store and back towards something that makes a little bit of sense. The spa did not get a chance to experience the spa. And so I'm going to give it a big ding because it, in my mind, it is not fully show ready for Disney. I think that the rainforest room is great, but three of the showers or two of the showers were out of order when I was in there. And so I have a real problem with a spa that isn't fully functioning, that the tables that we were supposed to have for this float on air experience were not working. But the biggest problem I have it's exemplified by two things. One, those tables weren't working when we reboarded our cruise, but we didn't get any notification about it. In fact, I think if we'd shown up, they would have just taken us back there and started a massage experience and we would have gotten a bait and switch out of the spa. Same thing with the day passes for the rainforest room. I cannot believe that they can sell a slew of week long or cruise length passes and they have no day passes available. I think that they are going for convenience and revenue when you walk in and you say, I want to pass and they're saying, well, we just don't have any available. We have these week long passes. I think that spa is total upsell, and I think that it is bordering on scam-like for Disney Cruise Line at this point. Um, because again, I really got the impression we would have walked in, gotten a couple's massage, and then afterwards said that's not what we ordered, and they would have said, well, we'll give you a discount and taken our money. Kudos to Sam for calling in advance to clearing that up. 
last thing I want to say, and it's really kind of in two places. One is rooms. We said it on the first podcast, but I just want to reiterate, the storage is awful. There is not enough storage in those rooms. I don't know who made the hanger decision that they did for the closets, but they have basically sport coat hangers in the closets. And that's it. Like six in each closet. These huge, huge hangers for shoulder padded kind of clothing. They make no sense when you're talking about a three or a four night cruise in the Caribbean when people are going to be bringing t-shirts, not sport coats and like all kinds of other, I guess, fancy dresswear. So not enough storage. I think the closets are great, but I don't know why they had to choose these massive hangers for the closets. I'll just say that. The other thing when it comes to staterooms is I don't know if this experiment around doubling the size or number of the concierge rooms is really going to work out. So I want to keep an eye on it right now. It's a question mark for me, Um, but it feels like they're going to start to run into some problems on these three and four night cruises with people interested in booking experiences that they're not selling in concierge. They're not going to be able to get MPS. If you're in concierge, you may not be able to get. So I'm a little worried that Disney's bitten off more than it can chew in terms of the number of concierge rooms it's put out there, but we shall see. Overall, my review is still that The Wish is a fantastic ship with a lot of fantastic experiences. If you sail her right now, you're going to have a great time. Uh, So take some of my comments with a grain of salt. We'll be back on her next April at this point for a back-to-back, and I'm going to be really interested to see where the ship sits at that point in time. So with that, End of rant on my end, and I want to hand it over to Sam to see where she agrees, where she disagrees, and what additional comments she had. So I agree with almost everything you said, Brian, but I have a couple of topics that you didn't cover that I really need to talk about. Some of them are wins and some of them are losses. So coffee spaces, this is one thing. I know you talked a lot about bars, Brian, but you didn't talk about coffee spaces except for the Cove Cafe. And Cove Cafe, you and I both agree is a, a pretty big fail. I think it's a big fail, one, in in its location, because it's really tucked away at the back of all of the, of a, a completely adults-only area. So adults who have kids really aren't going to make their way all the way over there in order to get a coffee. The big win for Disney is there's like three or four other places to get a really good coffee on board. There's Wishing Star Cafe and then there's Sword and Stone Cafe, maybe I think it's called. And then in addition to those two options, which are on kind of midships deck, I want to say like three and five or four and five, there's also in Marceline Market, a coffee bar and a coffee bar like seating. So you can get your latte or your Americano in Marceline Market instead of getting that awful drip Joffrey's coffee. And it's super convenient when you're getting your breakfast. So that's a big win for me, despite the failure of Cove Cafe to be replicated as well as it is on the other ships. Another fail for me is the Uncharted Adventure. I know we talked about this a little bit on our first show about the Maiden Voyage, but this is supposed to be the augmented reality experience that's kind of supposed to replace the Midship Detective Agency. And the reason I know it's supposed to replace the Midship Detective Agency is because I saw those, let's call those animated paintings around the ship in several places in the stairwells, in the aft and the forward, uh, or right after you get up or down after forward stairs. There's a bunch of these, you know, we'll call them television screens, but they look like paintings. But it's very clear to me that they are a they are going to be at least in part a similar experience to the Midship Detective Agency. It's not a negative review because we haven't been able to experience it yet, but the fact that they had been hyping this experience 
and that it wasn't ready for the maiden voyage or really it's not likely to be ready for any of the inaugural sailings. So that's a fail. But on the other side of entertainment, we got a lot of wins here with Disney. That pirate parlay deck party is so good, so much better than the Mickey and Friends pirate deck party. This is like it's got 80s music and hair band and it, it's just fantastic. The storyline is good. The, the the only characters you will recognize are Red and Captain Jack Sparrow and, and they are just fantastic. I mean, Red has a voice like no other. Just it, it was a really fun time. Fireworks are fantastic at sea as always. I just want to quickly say something about the fireworks because not only are they fantastic at sea at always, but they have added two launching points. So they are now launching the fireworks both from midship and aft out to the center field of view on the starboard side. And that makes for a both longer and fuller fireworks show, in my opinion. So I think that that is a fabulous addition to the fireworks. Yeah. So staying with the entertainment, I have to say that... One of the fabulous things about entertainment on the Disney Wish is the shows. Now, we've got to give it one ding because Aladdin is not ready. And so that was not showing. But I'll be honest, I was not really upset about that because I've seen Aladdin on the fantasy multiple times. I've seen two different versions of it. It's good, but I'm, I don't love it. I know they're revamping it. So I guess TBD on how Aladdin is on the Wish. But they brought two brand new shows. Seize the Adventure was probably the star i would say it's only about a half hour long and it stars goofy and a bunch of other characters you get some stuff from frozen 2 you get some stuff from brave you get some stuff from moana you get some stuff from nemo show from the, the nemo show from the parks it's basically crush's song but it's really just a fantastic half hour little welcome aboard show I can't speak highly enough of it. Um, the star is Tiana in that show I mentioned on our other episode. I saw it twice. That's how, how that's how good it was. I went to see it on our first sailing. I went to see it again on our second sailing. The other show on board, which I only went to see once, I really wanted to see it a second time, but we really needed to get some packing done before we got off the ship, was The Little Mermaid. Um, another fantastic stage show put on by Disney Cruise Line. I rank it uh, above Aladdin and just below Beauty and the Beast. Most of the variety shows I don't really rank because I don't generally think they're that good. But I would say Seize the Adventure might have been even, like I said, a little bit better than Little Mermaid. Just some fantastic entertainment opportunities on board. There was some great entertainment in the Grand Hall. Basically, these I'll call them the fairy tale players. I'm not sure what their names, what their what their actual names were or if they were given names, but really fun entertainers in the grand hall doing as Brian posted about on our Instagram, doing like a one minute version of sleeping beauty. I believe some funny stuff happening there. Great entertainment across the board. And then the entertainment in the kids club is the last thing I want to talk about. Not only is as you know, Brian mentioned the the kids club is fabulous, but not only is it fabulous, but they have all of these like interactive experiences within the kids club, the Marvel room. It was not fully up and running, but the star Wars room, which has this really awesome creature augmented reality and the Arendelle room, which has this like these games that you play with trolls, including a snowball fight with trolls, um, just really amazing experiences. And then they have a build your own roller coaster virtually and then get to ride it. I mean, what more could these kids ask for? 
I wish that I could spend all my time in the kids club, not to mention edge and vibe and the hideaway, just beautiful spaces for the teens, sorry, for the tweens, teens and 18 to 20 kids. So just amazing entertainment spaces all around the ship. The one last thing I will say, major fail, is that running track. Brian and I went and took a look at it uh, on the last day. It's not a fail because I won't run on the running track anyway for me, but for people who need a running track, you're just going to have to go on a treadmill. It's just not really a feasible space. Yeah. So on the running track, I would just say this. I Look, I agree with what Sam is saying. However, I balance it out as what did we get and what did we give up? Yes, we gave up a running track. What did we get? They did put some really nice treadmills in the gym for the runners, but they also added a lot more guest spaces by virtue of giving up the running track. And I know that may not be fully evident. The rainforest room as it exists today exists because they gave up the running track. So so I do balance it out with what did we give up versus what we gained. And I think ultimately we did gain a lot by this decision, even if I disagree with it. Two other quick observations I just wanted to relay. One is lots of folks out in the community upset that you don't have as many what I'll call included snack offerings on board. I hear you at the same time. I think that the setup that they've moved to is actually better. I understand that they're now charging you for the snacks and keg and compass to have a bar space that has kind of an all day full menu offering. Fabulous. None of the other ships have that. And the fact that some of those offerings are things that they might have given out before. I hear you, but now they're cooked fresh. So the wings that come out are actually hot and juicy and tasty, not steam table wings that have been sitting for a while. They're not all finger foods. You can get fish and chips and things like that. You can get these loaded tater tot nachos. So I really, I understand people are disgruntled about it. At the same time, I think, again, we gain something in having an all day food menu in the keg and compass. The food is fresher and I think just a better offering than what was there in a steam table on the other ships. So I actually expect Disney probably will continue to move in that direction on potentially the other ships as they dry dock. We might see some of those steam tables removed. I don't know, but uh, I actually don't fault them for that. Last observation I'll have is something that a friend actually said, uh, and they said on board, I feel like I'm hearing more no's than usual out of the crew. I just want to pause and say, to give an example, typically on a Disney cruise, if you don't like something in the dining room that you're in, you can look at any of the menus for the other restaurants that night and have your dining staff bring you something. On this cruise, the crew were directed not to do that. I don't know. We didn't try it on the DVC charter. They were certainly told not to do it on the maiden voyage. Uh, I don't know if it will continue longer term, if it's a change that the cruise line is trying to make for efficiency. If they are, I think that that's a bad move because I don't see why they can't bring you a food item from another restaurant that's already being prepared. And now with the restaurants move to all on the after the ship, I would guess that they're sharing kitchen spaces. And so it should be easy enough to get that food item. There were just little things like that where we heard more no's than usual. One of the friends we were sailing with, Rebecca, wanted to order pizza one night and she's gluten-free. And they basically told her it would take too much time and they couldn't do it. And I hear you, but the pizza station on the pool deck is open all night. And so I don't know why it would have been such a big deal to, to ask them to send down a gluten-free pizza. There were just little things like that. We're not typically high maintenance cruisers. I think that the guest services and guest relations people did a 
Herculean job in trying to keep people happy. I saw more than one really dissatisfied cruiser, really critical cruiser. We are not them. We loved being on board the Wish for the eight nights. Uh, but I think Disney still has some work to do for this ship and the future ships. And so we hope that they will continue to improve the offering over time uh, and keep the experience as high quality as we've all come to expect. So with that, we're going to wrap up our final review of the Disney Wish by talking to Nathan, because Nathan should get an opportunity to tell us what he thought. So how many thumbs up or thumbs down do you give your cruises on the Disney Wish? Probably like five. Five thumbs up. Okay, so you had a fabulous time. Did you like the food on board the ship? Some of it. What were some of the things that you liked? Pasta, bread with butter, and most of the other stuff I ordered. Anything that you didn't really like? The Caesar salad. Because the dressing was just not what you were hoping for? Yeah. What did you think about the kids' clubs? Great. What was your favorite part? I can't tell because I liked everything. It used to be every 15 minutes, my I would get a text from the kids' club saying, your, your child would like to be picked up. And now every 15 minutes, I'm asking, can I go back to the kids' club? Yeah, more than once you asked for another hour in the kids' club. What did you think of the pools, buddy, on the ship? Did you like the pools? Yeah. Your favorite was the, the kind of deeper pools on the like deck 12, right? Yep. Would you tell other kids to sail on the Disney Wish? Would you recommend it to them? Yes. All right. Well, there you have it. The Nathan Review. It is Nathan certified fresh, the Disney Wish. So... Five thumbs up. All right, we're going to leave it there. We've got a lot of more and exciting coverage of the Disney Wish coming in the next couple of weeks. Folks who sailed on her, uh, folks whose names you will know when we bring them on, and we can't wait to share them with you. Uh, so much more to come on the Disney Wish. Don't worry, we haven't forgotten about the other ships, and we, <laughs> we will keep bringing listeners on to talk about their experiences on those ships as well. And we will be sailing primarily on the magic and the wonder for the foreseeable future at least until next April when we're back on The Wish. So expect lots more coverage of those ships too, but we're going to leave it there. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. See you real soon. Well, I hope you've enjoyed all of our coverage of the Disney Wish thus far, including our episodes here about our personal experiences on board across the maiden voyage and the DVC charter cruise. We worked hard to bring this to you. So if you liked our coverage, you found it balanced and useful, then please, please, please head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. We love getting those reviews and we love reading them on the air each week. Speaking of which, we have a five-star review this week from Disney Dreaming Mom, who writes, love the duo. I really appreciate the great information and fun trip reports on your podcast. I especially appreciate you talking about things that might not be so pleasant. Your insight is valuable and helps my family when we're trying to plan our vacation. Well, Disney Dreaming Mom, glad we can be of help to you and your family. We really appreciate the review. With that, I do just want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. If you like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo where we've got our vlog. We've got some episodes coming out on the
the Disney Wish and some walkthroughs and some other things. So head over there and check that out. If you'd like to connect with the DCL Duo, you can always head over to dclduo.com for all of the ways to connect with us. Or you can email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show. You can also reach out to us and contact us via our voicemail line. We'd love to hear from you and love to include your voicemails on the air. We've got a new voicemail coming next week that we need to answer, but head over there, dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. Leave us a message, a comment, a question. We'll throw it on the air and respond. You can also connect with us over at the DCL Duo Vlog and Podcast Facebook group. We've got a great growing community over there. If you would like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself, or you can help support the show by browsing to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and choosing for one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there and our growing Patreon community. You can also help support the show by booking your next fabulous Disney vacation with My Path Unwinding Travel. Just browse to www.mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo so that they know that we sent you. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. <laughs>